All right, let's open up to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, chapter 20. Deuteronomium, chapter 20, and we'll begin reading at verse number 19. Tonight I'm going to teach you a little bit about something I know everybody's very eager to learn more about. We are going to study dendrology. I just learned that word today. I just wanted to show off that I knew a big word. <laughs> dendrology. That's the title of my sermon, actually, dendrology. It's, it's the study of trees. <laughs> it's a lot easier to just say that, isn't it? But dendrology makes me sound like I have a PhD. So. <laughs> Deuteronomy 20, verse 19. The Bible says here, and in the context, we're reading about war. All through this chapter, God is commanding Israel how to go out to war. And you want to talk about details, even down to what do you do with the trees that are on the battlefield. Verse 20, when thou shalt besiege a city a long time in making war against it to take it, thou shalt not destroy the trees thereof by forcing an axe against them. For thou mayest eat of them, and thou shalt not cut them down. For the tree of the field is man's life to employ them in the siege. Only the trees which thou knowest that they be not trees for meat, thou shalt destroy and cut them down, and thou shalt build bulwarks against the city that maketh war with thee until it be subdued. Now, as you can see, this is just a very practical point that God's making. You can use some of the trees for food. Other trees, they're not useful in that way, so those are the ones you would cut down and and use to build something. I want to focus my attention not so much on the context tonight. We're not going to be talking about the rules of war and how they apply to trees. Do you see there's some parentheses in verse number 19? Do you see that? Those parentheses says, for the tree of the field is man's life. And I'm just using this as my springboard to get into the lesson. We're going to study tonight about how a tree can teach us something about being the proper kind of a Christian. So can I ask you to please bow your heads with me and let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for the good singing tonight. Thank you for the time of fellowship already. Thank you for Brother Dobbins and we ask you to keep your hand on him. And Lord, as we've opened the word now, we, we, Lord, we're gonna endeavor to study it. Please help us, Father. Please come down and meet with us and speak to our hearts, Lord. We're, We're in no rush. Father, just work on us. Work on us, God. Make us what we need to be. Let this be a help to the people tonight. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, there's several things I want to say about a tree and how it applies to a man's life. I think this lesson, this sermon, could be like 27 points long because there's a lot of stuff that uh, you can find similar. But I've limited myself to just a handful of points. The first thing is right here in verse number 19. If you find a tree that is bearing fruit, don't cut it down. So what are you getting at, preacher? Well, when you look around this church, there are other trees bearing fruit for Jesus Christ. Make sure you don't cut them down. Make sure you don't hurt them. They can help you during this battle. We are all called to be soldiers for Jesus Christ, yes? The last thing we need is friendly fire. We don't need one of our own shooting us in the back. Don't cut that tree down. Did you know that folks, I, I, I get that 
asked this quite a bit, you know, what about people that go to Duet? What about people that go to CRC? What about the Methodists? What about the Enchia? What about this and that various denomination? Obviously, we don't agree with everything that goes on in these, in these other churches. Otherwise, we'd have their name and we'd go to that church, right? So obviously, there are going to be some things where we disagree. And I'm not a, afraid or ashamed to tell you that biblically, I, I think that there are some things that are wrong in some of those churches. However, please do not mistake my disagreement as some form of disrespect. That's not the same thing. If you're on the battlefield and you look over at your fellow soldier, very simple illustration, you see that his boot has come untied. What would you tell him to do? Would you say, oh dear, I don't want to be offensive. I'll let him run out into the battle with his boot untied. No, you, you would say, uh, brother, watch your boot there. I don't want you to trip and fall as you're running into the heat of the battle. When you hear myself or anyone else point out and say, listen, this and this, that you see going on in other places, that doesn't match the Bible. All we're doing is trying to, the best we know how, point out that their shoe's untied. If, if the, my fellow soldier, and that's what these other Christians are. Guys, they are believers just like you and I. These folks, a lot of these folks that you find in these churches saved and loved God, I would venture to say may be confused on a point or two, but they are our brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's recognize it for that. Let's treat them as such. There's no need to hate them, be angry at them. There's no need to disrespect them. But we don't have to and nor should we agree with everything that they say. If it doesn't match the Bible, we need to gently but surely point out their boots untied. If I look over at my fellow soldier and he is holding his sword backwards, instead of holding the haft, he's holding the metal, the tip do you know how quickly he's going to be run through? <laughs> the sword is pointed at him. He's going to do more damage to himself than the enemy. What should I do then? Sir, are you feeling okay? <laughs> That's my first question. Is yay mall? That's a decent question under those circumstances. Is he all right? Let's vote. And then tell him, listen, you got the sword pointed the wrong way. You might want to turn that thing around and here's how you grip it so that when the battle heats up, you have a proper grip, a proper handle on the sword of the Spirit. But by no means, when we tell them your boot's untied, you're holding the sword backward, we're not cutting them down by doing that. We are trying to help. They are our fellow soldiers. And the same goes in this church. Within the confines of our own local church, Let's bear in mind that we may not agree with everything that goes on from this row to that row and this pew to that side, but these are your fellow soldiers in Christ, your fellow laborers. Help them, help them to fight the good fight. Don't cut them down. Take your Bible. Let's come to Colossians chapter 2. Got a handful of other things I'd like to point out. Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2 and verse number 7. The next thing I want to say about these trees as it pertains to a man's life, you need to have some deep roots. You need to have roots. And they need to go deep. He says in Colossians 2 verse 7, Rooted and built up in him 
and established in the faith as you've been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Now notice it says rooted and built up in him. It makes a big difference where you plant the tree. Every human being is likened unto a tree. Even David did this, right? This is not some original thought to me. David in Psalm chapter 1 said, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of waters, right? So a man can be likened unto a tree, but it makes a big difference where you are planted. And once you get saved, you are planted in Christ. Now you need to sink down some deep roots in him, get rooted in him. I did a little bit of reading on, on this planting of a tree and a young tree we would call that a sapling right and this sapling I didn't realize this I sure enough had I not read this I would have killed this baby tree had I planted it I would have dug a very deep hole and just threw the tree down in it and expect said hey it needs deep roots I'll help I'll dig a two meter deep hole and throw it in and as I was reading up on this you you have to be very cautious not to plant that sapling too deep or too shallow you have to get that just right and then with time the roots will grow downwards and you won't see the branches and the leaves and the fruit until the roots go down so the work is being done under the surface beneath the surface is being done on the inside that you can't see and in, given enough time you'll see the fruit come of that but you I found this to be true with newer Christians. You can't take them too deep too fast. They have found some trees can actually grow their roots two meters down into the ground. Two meters, that's, a, that's deep, but it took time. It took 40, 50 years for the tree to get its roots that deep. Yes, we want deep roots, but in the beginning as a new believer, you can't go too deep. Don't expect to understand all the doctrines of the Bible two months after you got saved. If some of you folks have come to church and you're probably going to leave church tonight and you have some nagging questions in your mind, what does the Bible say about this and why did Pastor Mike say that? It's okay to have those questions. We don't expect you to have it all figured out. The roots are still growing. They're still going deeper and deeper, but don't quit. Don't take a look at yourself after a few months and say there's no fruit. I must be doing something wrong. You've got to give this time. Don't go too deep. Don't go too shallow. Just get rooted in Christ and then little by little keep going down. I, I noticed this as well. David said he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of waters. It, it makes a difference where you plant it. It needs to be near a water source so that the roots can get moisture. You know where the water comes from? I read in Ezekiel chapter 47 that the house of God is there in Jerusalem and a river runs out of it. And at first, the waters that come out of the, out of the temple, out of the house of God, they're just as deep as the ankle. And then you walk about a thousand paces and it's as deep as the knee. And then you walk another thousand paces and it's as deep as the loins. And then you walk another thousand paces and the water's so deep you have to swim in it. Gradually gradually gets deeper and deeper and deeper but the water runs out from the house of God in order for that tree to get the nutrients and the moisture that it needs yes it needs to be in Christ but that tree also needs to be planted in a local church in, in, in the house of God where they're going to get watered 
so that they don't dry up and blow away. I found this interesting as well. They warned people who are planting new trees, be very careful where you plant them because there might be other trees already in that area that are not conducive and won't get along well with that tree. It will steal all the nutrients and moisture out of that ground and that new tree won't have a chance. Too many thorns, too many weeds. They said, be very careful. These weeds, they suck up all the nutrients and don't allow the tree to grow. You might want to check your life for some trees that are doing some damage. Some other old friends you have hanging around. Poisonous weeds that are sucking the life out of your Christianity. Makes a difference where you put down these roots. Take your Bible, come to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. As you're finding that, let me also point out, I, I thought this was interesting. They said certain trees, many trees, when they're saplings and just getting started, they're, they're not strong enough to stand by themselves. They need, the, the proper term for this is staking the tree. Now stake, not like Breifle stake, but like <laughs> stake. You, you, and you can't wrap a wire or anything harsh around the tree, it will damage that young trunk. You have to wrap something a bit softer around it and then you put the stake in the ground and then you have to have it evenly balanced and get another stake on the other side so that this thing stays upright. Do, do you see the wisdom in this? As a newer Christian, you may not be strong enough to stand on your own. The Bible says, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. You know, what you might need to get is some support around you. Some other Christians that are already well-grounded that can hold you up for a while, but they cautioned, do not leave the stakes in the ground holding the tree too long. Because at a certain point, that tree needs to learn to stand by itself. And if you leave it dependent on the stakes then instead of standing by its roots, it will depend on the stakes. And then when you finally do cut the, the, the rope away or whatever it is, that tree has a good chance of falling because it became dependent on the stakes. At a certain point, you've got to learn to walk with God and not just do what everyone else is doing because they're doing it. Yes, we all need help. Yes, we all need support from time to time, especially as a younger Christian. But eventually, you're going to have to get your spiritual feet under you. Eventually, the roots get deep enough so that when the winds of life and the winds of false teaching and the winds of problems and all of those winds that blow, when those things try to blow you down, the roots are deep enough to hold you up. In James chapter 1 and verse 4, and I've already mentioned this a little bit, but this verse will bring it out even more. Verse 4 says, But let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing, lacking nothing. How do you get to this point where your Christian life is complete? That takes time. James says patience. Now in the passage, he's talking about tribulations. You can see in verse 2, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, verse 3, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Didn't Paul say the same thing? Tribulation worketh patience, right? And patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, for the love of God is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost which is given unto you. 
You know, one of the ways that you're going to grow and become a strong tree with deep roots, bearing much fruit for God, listen, you're going to have to go through some things. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to endure some tribulations and you're just going to have to wait it out. And it doesn't happen overnight. You don't go from being saved, read the discipleship book, and next month I got it figured out. Fully grown, fully mature, bearing fruit. No, sir, it doesn't happen like that. When you make a commitment to Christ, you're making a commitment for 10, 20, 30, 50, 60 years. God, however long it takes for you to work on me, to get me standing upright, God, make me what you want me to be. Patience. I have found a number, especially of younger Christians, younger people, they, they get excited about the Christian life and because they don't see everything happen in two or three months or maybe two or three years, they think they're doing it wrong, they get discouraged and quit. Have you noticed how long Jesus walked with the disciples? Three and a half years. And then he took the stake away. And he said, okay, I'm not going to be here to hold your hand anymore. I'm going to go away. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and you stand with him. Time to grow up. Time to get the work done. But it took some time. It wasn't immediate. He didn't say, follow me. Okay, you're ready. <laughs> it took time. It's going to take time with you. Did you know that when the Apostle Paul got saved, it took him 14 years before he went out to preach as a missionary? 14 years. Man, if I'm the Lord, I wouldn't have waited that long. He was ready 13 and a half years ago. <laughs> 14 years. You say, what was he doing before that? He was just teaching Sunday school in the church in Antioch. You can read about it in Acts chapter 11. He was just one of the teachers there. That's all he was. And whenever they needed somebody to carry the money from one church to the next, he did it. That's all he did. It took time for God to make him what he was. It took time for that tree to begin to bear the wonderful fruit that it did. Take your Bible, come to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. And let's get verse number 14. The next point I want to make is that trees are like filters. They are nature's filters. Now I think you guys know this already. That trees soak up the poison, or some poisonous gases that are in the atmosphere. Trees soak up carbon dioxide, carbon monoxide, sulfur dioxide, all these harmful things the trees soak it up and then produces oxygen it takes in the bad and gives out good it acts like a filter look at verse number 14 bless them which persecute you bless and curse not look at verse 17 recompense to no man evil for evil he did me wrong that doesn't mean you do him wrong he gave you poisonous gas. You know what you give him? Life, life, the necessity of light, oxygen. You're going to treat me like that? I'll treat you the exact opposite. He says in verse 17, Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. I'm glad Paul said, if it be possible. Sometimes it's not. <laughs> Sometimes the only way it's possible is to go far, far away from him. <laughs> but if that's what you got to do, in verse 19, dearly beloved, 
avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, what do you do? You buy him a cheeseburger. If he thirst, you give him a Fanta. If he thirst, give him drink, for in so doing thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. You bring conviction on him. In verse 21, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. What's the point? Trees are like filters. They take in poisonous, poisonous gas, and they give out oxygen. Did you know one large tree can supply enough oxygen for four people for an entire day? One tree helping four people. Now, when, when the world, and they will, when the world begins to treat you ill just because you're saved and because you're different than them, that's not the time for you to get bitter and angry. That's not the time for you to fight back tit for tat. What you want to do is use that to fuel your goodness and say, okay, if you're going to do me wrong, this gives me a chance to do you the exact opposite and thereby prove a point. This is one of the best ways for you to show someone that you're a true Christian. Because Jesus said, love your enemies. Pray for them which despitefully use you. Yes? That's the right reaction. I'm, I'm pretty sure this past week you probably had somebody that ticked you off and did you wrong. Probably this coming week you'll have another chance at it, another crack at it. Let it be an opportunity. Filter out the poison and give out something that will help them. You know what Jesus did when he was reviled? The Bible says he reviled not again. When he's hanging up there on the cross, the people walk by and all they could do is make fun of him. If you're the king of Israel, come down. If you're the son of God, why won't God help you? Mocking him, laughing at him, spitting on him. You know what he did? Here's his retaliation. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Being reviled, he reviled not again, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously he was a filter he was a filter as Stephen was being stoned to death can you imagine the sight he he's falling to his knees and the rocks are coming at him one after another pelting him in the head in the shoulder in the chest he is a broken man and yet his eyes are fixed on heaven and he says behold I can see the I can see Jesus standing at the right hand of God and he prays in the presence of his enemies and says Lord Jesus, don't lay this sin to their charge. And with that, he died. He died as a filter. Poison came in, oxygen, life-giving life -giving substance came out. I'll take your Bible and look at Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13, verse 6. Next thing I want to say about trees is they need fruit. They need fruit. And he said, Brother Mike, not every tree is a fruit tree. Well, every Christian should be a fruit tree. <laughs> every Christian should be a fruit tree. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and so forth. Every Christian should be a fruit tree. That was the first tree ever mentioned in the Bible was a fruit tree. Genesis chapter 1. Bible said God planted the, the fruit tree and it had seed in itself and it was to bring forth fruit after its kind. You know what a Christian should do? The Bible says the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. The fruit of the righteous is a tree 
of life. So now that you have been planted by the Father as a tree, you're supposed to bring forth fruit that will eventually become another tree. You're supposed to reproduce after your kind. So a Christian brings forth other Christians. We're talking about winning others to Christ. We're talking about you becoming more like Christ. Now in verse number 6 it says, He spake also this parable, A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. I wonder how many times God has come by your house looking for fruit on your tree and hasn't found any. I wonder if he came by today and said, hmm, should be fruit by now. I mean, okay, I mean, these guys have been saved two or three months. These little saplings that are still being held up by the, by the stakes, we don't expect them to have fruit, but good grief. I mean, this guy's been sitting in that church for 10 years, 20 years. He's been a Christian. I don't see any fruit. Verse 7, then said he unto the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? To cumber the ground means don't bother the ground anymore. It's just, it's just occupying space. You know how many people, that's all they do in church? They just occupy a space. They keep a seat warm. <laughs> that's it. That is the greatest achievement they ever, they ever reach in the body of Christ, is keeping the seat warm. Well, man, clear out and let somebody else sit there. Somebody else could do that. In verse 8, And he answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also till I shall dig about it and dung it. That means put fertilizer down. Verse 9, And if it bear fruit, well, and if not, then after that thou shalt cut it down. And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. Now forgive me, I don't mean to go too, too deep on you. Like I said already, we don't want to plant the tree too deep. But this parable is incredibly deep. It's a parable about the nation of Israel. Israel is this fig tree. And Jesus has been preaching for three years. And he keeps circling around. Every year he comes down to Jerusalem at the Passover. And he's looking to see if the nation is bringing forth any fruit and they're not. And he says, all right, cut it down. And Jesus says, one more, give me one more year. Let me have one more try. Jesus preached for three and a half years. One, one more try. Do you know when Pentecost happened? Acts chapter 2. And then in Acts chapter 7, you have Stephen preach and they killed him. That would make the fourth year. After that, God said, enough is enough. So you're reading something very deep and prophetic about the nation of Israel. However, I'd like to just learn a practical lesson. This tree, right, no fruit on it. But we know from another place in the Bible, Jesus found a tree. He was expecting fruit. All it had was leaves, and he cursed it. Remember that? Now, that's also a very deep subject, and I'm happy to address that some other time. But here's the point. There should be fruit and not only leaves. Do you understand the difference? A leaf, if the, tr if the tree is filled with leaves, it looks as if it is alive, but if there's no fruit and it's a barren tree, we're wondering something's not right with this tree. It looks on the outside as if it should be giving fruit. But when, when we come close to it and upon closer inspection, we see that there's really nothing tree-like about this. It's missing all the fruit. It makes a good profession. It sounds good. It speaks Christianese. 
But something's not right. Now you say, what's what's the reaction? Cut it down. Cut it down. You might be tempted to think, oh boy, man, that means means maybe I'm going to lose my salvation. I wouldn't say so. Did you know that if a Christian obeys his flesh continually, you know what's going to happen to him? Paul said in Romans 8, if we live after the flesh, you'll die. You know what God says? You're not doing anything down there except warming a seat and thereby discouraging the other trees. You're soaking up the water that they could get. So I'm just going to take you home a little early. That's what you find going on in the New Testament. If you're not going to bear fruit, he'll cut you down a little early. I will say this, if you look at your tree, you look at your life, and there is no fruit of the Spirit at all. There's nothing going on in your life that looks like Jesus at all. Then I would ask myself, am I saved? Because, listen, fruit is the evidence of salvation. Fruit is not salvation. It is the evidence of salvation. And if you're not bearing any fruit, you would have to ask yourself, have I been planted by the Father or am I still in Adam? Jesus said it like this, every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. You understand there's a difference between the Father planting you in Christ and thereby giving you eternal life and you planting yourself in your good works and in your best effort and trying to be the kind of Christian you think you should be. That's a different thing. You need to have some fruit. Leaves with no fruit, that's a bad sign. You know, back in the Old Testament, they, Moses gave commands for how the priest's garment should be made. And Aaron had to put on this long robe and at the bottom of the robe it had to have a ribbon around the bottom of it. And on that ribbon, there had to be a bell and then the next thing was a pomegranate, which is a, a piece of fruit, a picture of a pomegranate. So you had a bell and a pomegranate, a bell and a pomegranate all around the bottom. So everywhere he walked, you could hear him jingling. Tring, fring, fring. I, I don't know if I would have liked that so much, right? Very gypsy-like, but <laughs> on he goes, jingling as he goes. Now, there's a bell and a pomegranate, bell and a pomegranate. So what's the picture? The bell is a profession. It's you making noise. It's you saying, I'm in the service of God, but for every time you have a bell, you need to have some fruit to back it up. There's the bell, there's the pomegranate. There's the bell, there's the pomegranate. You're going to make some noise and tell everybody you're a Christian? Back it up with some fruit. Back it up with some fruit. Don't let it be just trees, or leaves rather. Come to Proverbs chapter 17. Proverbs chapter 17. Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 17. Now you've got to forgive me. I, this is the closest verse I could come to to, to bring this point out. But I, I want to say this about trees. They provide shade. They provide shade. And you know, that's it's kind of an underrated quality of a tree. We don't think about that much until we need some shade. Boy, there's a blessing when you need something hanging over your head there. You know what you could be this week? There are some people going through some very difficult times, some fiery furnaces, the sun. 
beating down on them, and it's tough. It's tough. It's getting hot. And they need you to be that shade tree. They need you just to be there and deflect some of the heat that is coming down on them and help them get through this very difficult time. In Proverbs 17, 17, it says, A friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. You know what's the best combination is to have a brother who is a friend. (laughs) Not just a like flesh and blood brother, but a spiritual brother who is also a friend. And when you're going through something tough, you can call on him or call on her and say, listen, friend, I need you now. They are born for adversity. They are, they, they need to be there. That's what that shade tree is just standing there. It's just waiting there until you need to run underneath and get some shade. I'm wondering this week if you could be a shade tree for somebody. I know this week several of you were actually. I mentioned this morning we have a handful of people that have been in the hospital and I know many of you have gone by and stood next to their bedside. Have you ever gone to visit somebody in the hospital in such a manner and you don't know what to say? It feels awkward to stand there and say, hey, how you doing? You know how they're doing. They have wires and tubes coming out of them. I mean, it's obvious how they're doing. They've had better days, right? Have you ever watched them try to answer? (laughs) How you doing? Um, (laughs) Le Carignet? I mean, it just doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't work. It doesn't work. It's awkward sometimes. But even though you don't know what to say, the fact that you showed up and you stood next to their bed, and you just cast a bit of a shadow, you you showed up. You showed them that you cared. You were the shade tree that they needed during this difficult time. And that means something to people. You can be a shade tree for somebody this week, I'm sure of it. Let's, one final stop in the book of Psalms, chapter 1. I mentioned the verse earlier, but let me bring it to you, or show it to you now. Psalm chapter 1 and verse number 1. Psalm chapter 1 and verse 1. He says in verse number 1, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. I warned you earlier about having the wrong trees planted near you. There are the wrong trees. Verse 2, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. So rather than hanging out with the wrong crowd, David says, the blessed man spends his time thinking about the Bible. When David wrote this, the only portion of the Bible that existed was the law. So he's talking about the Bible here. He says his delight. He doesn't get up and begrudgingly say, I've got to read my Bible. He, he, he deli- his delight is in the law of the Lord. It thrills his soul to get up and read something fresh from the Bible. You know what I've done recently? I, I'm, I'm going back through my Bible again, and I've gotten to uh, Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers, you know, all the exciting stuff. Now, I, I can read fairly fast, 
I can knock out 10 chapters of numbers like that because I know what it says. And just, I don't know if you do this, but I do this sometimes. I finger read. As fast as my finger can move, I can read. <laughs> I, just, I just go quick because I know what, one shekel here and a golden spoon here and incense there and what, what do I care? I said, God, I have gone through this quickly. Now, I don't do that with every verse. It's just those verses, you know, you know what I'm talking about, those repetitive ones. I said, God, I'm going to slow down and take my time and I'll, I want to hear from you. Every line, line upon line, I want it all. Man, one of these days you're going to get a sermon out of numbers about the golden spoon, I promise you. <laughs> I had no idea what was waiting for me in the treasure trove of Leviticus. <laughs> But I, I made it my delight. And I got to think about it all day and night. Boy, it makes a difference. So what, what difference does it make? Verse 3, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. You see, that Bible is your water source. It's where you get your nutrients for the roots beneath the surface. But you have to take it upon yourself to read and study and meditate day and night in that book not just on Sunday evenings when you have spare time to pitch up at church hey look up here we're not praying now I'm preaching look up here not just when you have time day and night not Sunday night <laughs> day and night amen verse 3 he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season his leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Folks, that's not a prosperity gospel. The word prosper in the Bible means it's going to work out the way it should. You know what you'll find? If you will get deep roots in God's word, you're going to be like that tree planted by the rivers of water that continuously, in season, out of season, the fruit comes as it should. And as you go through life and the problems happen, things will work out the way they should. Did you know that shade tree doesn't stop the sun from shining? It doesn't stop the problems from happening. It just makes it easier for someone to go through it. Just because you're planted by the rivers of water doesn't mean storms don't happen. But you'll be able to work through it. You'll be able to remember that all things work together for good. To them that love God. Man's life is like a tree. Now I wonder, I wonder tonight if the Lord Jesus passed by, would he find the fruit on your tree like he should? Do you need some help? Are you new at this? Do you need some stakes put in the ground? You need some support? Just check yourself tonight and ask yourself, what kind of tree am I? Let's all stand if you would, please. Heads bowed and eyes closed just for a few moments. I'd like for you to consider where you're planted and who planted you there. Caleb will play something softly. Jesus said, Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. It's not enough to be a member of a church You have to be born of God.
Do you understand the difference? You might have been born to Christian parents and maybe they raised you in a certain church and that's fine, but that doesn't make you born again. Jesus said you must be born again. You need to be planted by the Father. Have you been saved? Now some of you have been saved for quite a while. You might want to just check the limbs of your tree and see if there's the right kind of fruit hanging out there. And if you're not exhibiting the right evidence of salvation, you might want to look around and wonder if there's some thorns and weeds and evil trees planted nearby. Maybe you need to go home and crack open your Bible. Delight in it. Meditate in it. Soak it up. Right? That's what the tree roots would do. Soak it up. Some of you I know, you're making a genuine effort. Please don't get discouraged. It takes time. It takes time. Before I pray and close the service, I just want to ask... Is there anyone here tonight that would be willing to say, Preacher, I've never been born again. Would you pray for me? I'm not going to point you out. No one's going to embarrass you. But would you just slip your hand up? You can put it right back down. I'd just like to know who I'm praying for. Would you be willing to do that tonight? Thank you. I appreciate that. Anyone else say, Preacher, pray for me. I... I want to I be sure that I'm saved. Anybody else like that? I appreciate the honesty. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. and Lord, I want to pray for the hands that went up. Please, God, whatever it takes for that tree to be planted and rooted in Christ, please, might tonight be the night that they find their way into the body of Christ. Lord, maybe there were some that didn't raise the hand, but deep down they know they've never been born again. Oh God, we beg you, please, deal gently. Deal gently with them. Give them a chance tonight to consider it one more time. Father, for us who have been saved, God, prune us, work with us, water us. Do whatever it takes, Lord, to make us the trees we need to be. Thank you for the sweet water of the Word of God. Runs, runs forth from your house. Thank you for making it, uh, Lord, the water so deep we can swim in it. Lord, I pray to help these folks here tonight to bring forth fruit in their season. Even into their old age, might they continue to bring forth that fruit for you. Father, thank you for a wonderful day in your house. Thank you for speaking to us throughout this day. Please, God, this week, give us a chance, even if it's just to be a shade tree for someone else. Give us a chance this week to be a blessing to someone. 
Father, we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.